Well, good evening to you here on this fourth night of Bible school. I appreciate those of you who have been praying for me and have been supporting me with your words, and and I uh, thank you too for the offering tonight. I'm I'm blessed by that. This evening's talk was somehow the hardest for me to prepare. Um, some of you may have wondered at the beginning of the week when you saw the topic and and saw the subtitle, "How is he going to spend?" Five nights talking about about music, and um, I can say for myself that if I would have, if I would have come to to a session like this and would have sat in one like this, I would uh, most definitely have had uh, some some of some preconceived notions, some things that I was going to take away from this, and I would have uh, undoubtedly had uh, maybe some skepticism, uh, and I would have filtered it through that. So I am convicted being on this side of the, of the podium. One of the things that, that I uh, am blessed with, though, is, as I prepare, is that um, especially tonight, maybe with it being just a tad harder to prepare for, I was blessed with a lot of Scripture, a lot of God's Word um, that we'll be using tonight that really apply well. And so we're going to use the, the quick and powerful Word of God tonight. Let's begin with prayer. Lord, I pray that tonight I would be able to faithfully and accurately speak your word, your truth. I pray that the things that we study would be able to help us to learn to live as Christians here in the, in the culture that you have placed us. I pray that we would be in the world and engaged by the world, but that we would not follow after the things of the world. Be with us as we study tonight. In your name we pray. Amen. <laughs> Well, we wrapped up last night by, by talking about some of the things that we need to approach entertainment with. We need to approach it with the right first question. And a lot of times we, we approach it, first of all, with the question, where should I draw the line? And we talked about that a bunch. How should we live as a Christian in an entertainment-based culture where, where there are things coming at us very, very quickly and we can't we can't often pause and separate them in our minds. We have to come at it with the right goal. We need to be fully engaged in culture, not removed, not somehow separate. We live in this moment. We live in culture. This is where God has placed us. We need to be in it with the right mind. We need to be engaged. It goes right along with the right goal. And some of the things that come with being of the right mind is that we need to recognize that the culture is searching for meaning. And we have that. We have the answer, and that is hope. We spent time talking about the word hope last night. We need to live above the triviality, and we need to, to warn of sin rather than condoning sin. So we need to live with the right approach, the right goal, the right mind, and the right framework. This is where we stopped last night. We started. Uh, I'd like to start here tonight with the right framework. What is our framework based on? And we know that, it is, that the answer to that is Scripture. For the Word of God is quick and powerful. And sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Word of God is what we, what we use to exegete or approach entertainment. Here's, a, here's an easy chart, and I think that there are three characteristics or three concerns that we need to look at when we come, when we approach culture, and of course this comes through this framework of scripture. First is quality, and the question that that asks is, is it well done? Is something, is, is the quality of the work, is it well done? If we're doing something, according to scripture, we're supposed to do it with all our heart. 
everything that we have. And remember, you'll remember that I quoted from Dorothy Sayers. She said, the only Christian work is work well done. So is it well done? And so the answer to, to, this, to this question is that we should do it excellently. Is it well done? And it should be done excellently. This is how, this is how our uh, work should be done. Do it excellently. Remember that, the, that um, Christianity, it, it's, uh, for, for me to just put the word Jesus in a song does not really make it well done. Just as me stamping Jesus loves you on plumbing does not make me a good plumber. We talked about that last night. Christianity demands excellence because we have been made in the image of God. Did he make things well? Oh my, he did. And so should we. The second one is the message. So if we are striving for excellence in quality, the message, what is it saying? What should we be striving for in the message? Can anyone answer that? Is it true? True. Is it true? And we talked a lot this week about that, that word truth. It is, there is a singular truth, and all truth is, is pointing to God. Is it true? Finally, my brothers, does this sound familiar? Finally, brothers, whatsoever is true, and there you go. Whatever is true. And the third criteria is its effect, its function. What is it for? What is its purpose? Do, mus- do movies have goals? Do musicians have goals? Well, we talked about that on, on the first night as well, that they are shooting for something. They are, they are aiming to, to give a message. And they do that well. They sneak it in sometimes, but they do that well. So if we're shooting for excellence in form and truth in content, then what should we be shooting for in purpose? And I use the word nobility. Does it exist to accomplish some noble goal, some goal that is, that is a high goal. With the right framework, scripture, and with the right tool, discernment. And this is a word that we have used and heard in the first session already, uh, where we're talking about false prophets. How do we, how do we discern so discernment is uh, what we should be using. Let me give you a quick definition for discernment. Discernment is the ability to tell the difference between right and wrong and genuine and counterfeit. And to prefer the right and the genuine over the wrong and the counterfeit. There's two parts. A lot of times we know the first part. We can easily tell the difference between right and wrong and genuine and counterfeit. That, that has been taught to us. But do we prefer it? Is it something that we actually prefer? Be discerning. We're going to make a, kind of an adjustment in approach now. And we are going to zoom in on a specific topic. A specific kind of entertainment. 
And if you were here any of the other nights, you know that I kind of took a broad approach to this and I, I lumped a bunch of these together. So all of entertainment, I, I talked about technology and I talked about movies and I talked about all kinds of dis different aspects of technology and kind of put them together. We talked about smartphones and we talked about how messages come to us from celebrities and through the culture. And we've talked about music and tonight I'd like to, to shine the light especially there on music. This evening I'll be talking about a subject that's pretty easy to shy away from. It's pretty easy to, to back away from because we're a little scared to engage it. And um, one of the reasons is because we all have our own opinions. And we have our things that we like. We have differing views. We have differing, differing opinions. And some people think that uh, some of the things that maybe some of us listen to is wrong. And we, we talked about that. We have, a, we have a wide variety of, of viewpoints and of taste in music. And then sometimes, too, the, the only times where we actually hear about music are when uh, we bring up things like uh, CCM, contemporary Christian music, and, and we debate whether or not that's good. And a lot of times um, when music is brought up, we talk about our musical heritage and how are we, how are we furthering that. And if we're not careful, we just completely shut it all out because we are tired of having our toes stepped on and we don't want to hear about it anymore. Music is very touchy. It's a touchy subject. And, and I'd like to ask you, I'd like to give you a chance here, why is music a touchy subject? Why is it divisive for us? Okay, it affects us deeply. So, and and those views would be things like, is it right or wrong? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Is it right or wrong for you? Is it right or wrong for me? It's very true. And when somebody tell, go ahead. Absolutely, that's right. And maybe that'll even make us be more likely to listen to it. You said I'm not supposed to, and so. All right. Well, I think I think Michael hit hit it well. I think a big part is because it is so very important to us. We are deeply connected with it. And many times we believe that it's a personal choice. So I like what I like, and you like what you like. It's personal. And it's not, um, not only is it important, and not only is it personal, but it's something that we, we kind of control. Now, I realize that there are, are some of you who maybe have a certain job or a certain place that you get into that require us to be at the mercy of someone else's music choices. And sometimes that, that annoys us too. But a lot of times you are the one that gets to choose your music. And if nothing else, it's you're choosing your genre or what, what kind of music you're listening, listening to. Maybe not the specific song, but at least a, a certain kind of music. So you are making the choice. I, I can't 
pick one of you and ask you what is your favorite song and then proceed to convince you that no, it's actually not your favorite song. Uh, that's not how it works, right? We, it, music is our personal choice. So now that we have all of that covered, I, I can assure you that I won't really be explicitly saying anything tonight about what kind of music is right and what kind of music is wrong and what kind you should be listening to and what kind you shouldn't be, what kind of style is best or what kind of style is wrong. I'm not going to talk too much about that. I'm, I'm simply going to be talking about it, and I hope that you, in turn, think about it and question your own listening habits. Am I, am I listening to what I should be? Now, before any of you tune me out and say, well, I don't, I don't listen to much music, and I'm pretty sure that the music I listen to is, is fine, I'd like to remind you that, that music, all music, and, and even a cappella music included, is a major part of your worship. Now, we're going to talk in a little bit about why that they're not equivalent terms. Music is not worship. They're not the same. They're not synonymous. But I'd like to remind you that, that we sing here in church. And even if the only music that you ever listen to is here at church, there's, there's songs that are carrying messages. And they're intentionally doing that. They're, for by and large, the, the singing that, that we do in church is, is designed to make us think deeply. We, we, it's theological. It, it states our beliefs but just for a uh, teaser for, for what I hope to talk about tomorrow night, we, we sing this song about Andy. We sing, Andy walks with me. Andy talks with me. Andy tells me I'm his own. And I know that's twisting words, but if you, if you actually look at the song, what is, what is it saying? There's, there's one little offhanded reference to the Son of God, but besides that, what is it saying? Are you thinking? Are you engaging? So, what is, what is the big deal with music? Why, why does it even matter what I listen to? Well, I think that we are all very aware that, that music is powerful. And I gave quotes on, on the first night from uh, Andrew Fletcher and from Plato and Dostoevsky. And without reiterating, reiterating and re-saying what I said on, on Sunday night, music shapes us in ways that we don't even fully understand. It is powerful. And on Sunday night, we said that maybe it's the most powerful thing. Entertainment is powerful. Why is it a big deal? Well, we are musical beings. I believe, uh, I think that we all believe that there is a God and we are created in his image and God made us musical. And so I think it would be accurate to say that, that he is musical as well. He enjoys it. Even those of us who can't sing well, or play an instrument, we still enjoy music. And that's, that's, for, that's for the entire world. Almost everything that we do has some kind of element of music. Singing and music is a huge part of any culture, anywhere around the world. And for us as Mennonites, it's actually something that we're known for. And people, the world, recognizes what we have. And sometimes I wonder if we even do as, as much as the world recognizes that. But we have music in our homes, and we have music in our churches, we have music in our cars, we have music in our pockets, 
we even have music floating around in the cloud. And I could, I could go on my phone tonight and I could download any, any, almost, almost any song there is. And you could all do the same thing, the exact same song. And we could all take it from here and we would all, all have that song. We can do it almost anytime, anywhere. There was a time in the world where, where music had to be, uh, if you wanted to hear music, you either had to make it or you had to be present when someone else was making it. And then we changed to recordings. And we can look back at the history of that and there was some kind of instrument that was needed to play that recording. And by instrument, I don't mean some kind of stringed instrument, some kind of machine that would play this recording. So there had to be a specific, there, there had to be a certain place because these things weren't necessarily portable. Now this, this one was, was pushing it. It was almost portable. You just had to walk carefully. You couldn't run too hard or it skipped. So you had to have a, a special place. You had to have a special machine. You had to, had to have a, a special recording. And, and then um, things like radio, they began to exceed that. And, and people could be in different places and still be listening to the same thing at the same time. And now we're at a point where, where people are, are putting plugs in their ears and, and using that to listen to m music just about endlessly. Um, some people can listen to music all day long at work. It's we we just listen to it all the time. So why would we have music just everywhere? Why do restaurants and stores play music? Well, there's a there's a uh, there's a study to this. There's a science to it, and they know what music to play and and what, what kind of music even to play to get you to, to do certain things, to, to buy certain things. Music controls us. It affects us pretty deeply. It affects us even, even more than we are willing to realize sometimes. It affects our, our soul. It motivates, it motivates us. It stirs us. It prods us in a direction. And I could, I could give a host of these eloquent sayings from from much smarter men than I that, that talk about how music is, is a language and it expresses some, sometimes things that words alone can't. And I think probably a lot of us have, been, have seen that, where, where a song touches you much more deeply than just words would have. It's, it's, it's real, it's powerful. Now, there are people all over the world in time present and time past that listen and support music. You have the modern-day atheist, and you have the biblical kings, Saul, and you have modern educated professors, and you have backwoods, front porch, dulcimer players, and they all have something in common, and that is that Music is valuable to them. Bu music matters. And that goes for just about every person alive. You can go all over the map from Native Americans to the people in the jungles of South America to the cathedrals of Europe, and there is music. It's, it's everywhere. It's worldwide. 
So music is, is powerful. It is also admittedly an, an emotional stimulator. And it is a gift of God. We couldn't imagine the world without music. Just, just try. No music at all. It would, be, it would be a dead place, a lot more dead than we, uh, than we even know, I think. And the more music, we have more music today than, than the world has ever had before. And people are literally engulfed in it all the time. It doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter where you are. You will be exposed to music. And this tells us that, that music is actually a pretty basic human need. It's something that is, that is intrinsic to us. And with that in mind, I'd like to go to the book of Ezekiel and point something out. So turn with me to the book of Ezekiel. And in the first chapter, he says, I saw at the river of, of Chebar visions of God, etc., etc. And in verse 4, he saw four beings. And he describes these four beings in great detail. He goes into depth to, to explain them. And he goes on into chapter 10, where these, these beings were revealed as something. They were revealed as, as cherubim, cherubs. And now go quickly to chapter 28, Ezekiel 28, verse 14. And I want you to think as we, as we read 14 to 17, who is he talking about? Ezekiel 28, 14. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created, till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore will I cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings, that they may behold thee. Who is this talking about? Satan. Satan. Lucifer. And in those four verses that I just read... He is referred to as a cherub twice. Do any of you know what cherubim do? What is their role? It's all over the, it's all over the book of Revelation. The duty of a cherubim is to declare the glory of God. Okay? This is who we're talking about. Lucifer, Satan, the ruler of the darkness of this world, was in charge... Of the worship in heaven. He was the worship leader. He was created to be a worship leader. Wow. Doesn't that start to explain now why music is so valuable 
in the world's agenda and why Satan has perverted it and used it and twisted it to get his own agenda in the world. He's using it against the kingdom of God. His responsibility was originally to declare the glory of God in song and in music. And I believe that even after his fall, he realized the power of music. He has, as a result, he has taken something that God created good, he has twisted it into something that he can use and to draw the people of God away. In 1 John 2.16, it says, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, and the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but it is from the world. Now, if we read this and think about secular music, isn't that what it's about? 1 John 2.16, it's, it's talking about the desires of the flesh, and the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's what secular music is about. It follows those exact Three things. And goes into and we could go into depth and talk about those those three things. How can we on one side say that we are a follower of, of God, follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, and on the other side we listen to the music of the world, the very thing that he that Christ died to save us from, the sin and the, the ideas that are given in, in secular music, he died to save us from. Another verse, Romans twelve two. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern, there's that discernment word, what, it, what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And this, this could be the theme verse of, of this week here on how is media shaping our culture. And we could stay here and say it doesn't necessarily have to shape us. Don't be conformed to it. But instead, be transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds. I'd like to go to Ephesians 4 and read a couple of verses there. Ephesians 4, 17 to 24. Some of you are memorizing this for quiz team. Ephesians 4, 17 to 24. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. How? In the vanity of their mind. They have their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness." But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have by, been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus that ye put off concerning the former conversation of the world. That ye put off the for, concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts that are mentioned in 1 John. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. We're to live different than the world. We are called to be outside of the world's rhythms. And we're supposed to put off those things of the world, and we're supposed to put on the new man. 
Chapter 5 then, Ephesians 5, 11, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather repro- reprove them. These are good verses for us. These are ways that we can be, we don't have to get into these, these um, cultural rhythms, the, the Satan's allure of music. We don't have to be involved in that, in that music. Now I'd like to look at, at several misconceptions that are easy to get from this topic of music. Several things that we sometimes get wrong, and I say these very carefully. Um, the first one, the first misconception is that music is the same as worship. And that's not true. Music is not worship. They're not synonymous. Music is music, and worship is worship. They're, they're different things. But typically, you hear people say that, okay, we're going to have worship time now, and they, they directly follow that with music. And they like to, to think that they're the same. Music is not worship. Music is a means that we can express worship, but it's not worship. Worship is the heart going towards God in gratitude and thanksgiving for what he has done for us. That's worship. Worship is acknowledging God to be who he says he is in scripture. And the Psalms are a good example of that. Somebody said that you could, if you would make a doctrine uh, of, the, of the Bible, you could, get, you could get 50% of the doctrine of God from the Psalms. It says who he is. Worship is acknowledging God to be who he is revealed to be in scripture, who he says he is in scripture. It is acknowledging what God has done, and in particular, what he has saved us from, what he has redeemed us from, and, and pulled us out of the world and given us eternal life. It's expressing gratitude. And there are many ways to do that. Music is not the only one. In fact, you can worship in silence, contrary to what the world believes. But music is not worship. Music is a means by uh, is, can be one of the means by which a person expresses his thanks in worship. Another misconception is that when, when people have tr- trouble worshiping, that music will, will create a mood that will put them into worship. It is, in fact, possible, like I said before, to, to worship without music, to sit in silence with no music and still be able to worship. It's possible to worship with a hymn. It's possible to worship with a cappella. Worship is, is a thought. It's, it's not a mood experience. It's what takes us to God. In fact, Paul Washer, he said, If the only time you feel the presence of God is on high emphatic notes of the song, when the rhythm has been lifted up and the music is glorious, then it's not the presence of God you're feeling. It's emotion. End quote. Another misconception is this, that non-Christians are not going to come into the church unless we create music that is of the world, unless we make something that is appealing. Music so dominates our, our culture. It is, it is pervasive, and it's so pervasive that if we're going to, we think that if we're going to appeal to these unbelievers that we have to do it through their kind of music. And that's not true either we don't have to change our music to be evangelistic. In an indirect sense, though, 
we it is our music is because we are we are singing to our savior we're singing of salvation but we're singing to god and not to the world and not to the unbeliever we're not singing to them we're singing to god ultimately and so we don't need to to try to change our music so what is music music is a gift of god it is a common grace to the world that he gave us and it gave us a means not the only way, but a means of expressing um, emotion. But for, for believers, it's more than that. It's not just God's gift to the world. For believers, it can be even more than that. It is, the, it is our way of expressing gratitude and thanksgiving for what he has done for us. Music reaches its highest level in Christians because we can do it differently than anyone else can. It is can be used to its greatest potential by Christians. And the music is, is just what, uh, what it says. It's the song of the redeemed. The music of the church is the song of the redeemed. I'm going to stop here and, and uh, ask if you have any questions or thoughts there on some of the common misconceptions that we have. So what should music do for you? All right. It's a good question. What should music do for you? Well, I think it is a means of expressing gratitude. So maybe music is not about us. Maybe it's not what it should do for us, but what we're, what we're supposed to use it for. Uh, any thoughts on that? Okay, and this is, this is where a lot of times, this is, this is what we talk about, right? What does wrong music do for us, do to us? How does it affect us? And, and we can give some pretty quick answers to this. What does wrong music do? Okay, where is the line? That's what you're asking, right? He'll start to, to take that, right? He will start to develop that mindset himself. Music is a teacher. And the question is, what is our music teaching us? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It's a didactic tool to, to teach. That's good. Um, also, in a, in a conversation earlier with the, with the teachers today, uh, there was a good point made that that music uh, can maybe be, we can maybe uh, compare it a little bit to food, and obviously that breaks down, but, but you have heard this maybe, that, that maybe um, some of the music that we listen to is kind of like the, the, the candy. Maybe it really has no value, and if we make that our diet, then, then we're in trouble. Yeah, those are good thoughts.
Anything else? So we know that. Hmm. Chance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What does that What does that mean for us? Corporate worship. Yeah. That's a tough question to answer. Does anyone have any thoughts? So that, so that it 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 builds us together. We're in doing that. We're we're strengthened as a body. Is that good, beautiful music sure makes you feel good. It does, right? It 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 does. It can affect our it it can affect our uh, what we're thinking or how we're feeling. All right. Good. Well, I'd like to uh, to look here at First John, First John five. I'm sorry, I must have hit a button. First John five and verses nineteen and twenty. And I think this this speaks to how we should choose our music and how we should listen to music. We know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. That's who rules our world right now. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. And I think it's interesting that, that this is then followed by little children flee from idols. It's, uh, it tells us to, to, to flee from, from the idols. And so I think with that, I, I might be a little early, but I think with that, um, I'm going to close. Tomorrow night we'll be talking about uh, the theology in hymns, and we'll be talking about how should we be singing as a church, We'll be talking about, does it matter if we're singing a cappella? Does it matter if we're singing? And we'll talk about some of the things that, that apply pretty directly to us, to our situation. Um, and I'm looking forward to that discussion. Let's stand, and I'll pray, and we'll close. Lord, thank you for your word that you have given us that we can use to, to divide the right from wrong the truth from darkness. I pray that we could use that as, a, as our guide in life and, and that we would, we would read that as, as our story, as your story, and that we would be able to use that to make, help make our decisions on, on our media intake and especially thinking of music. I pray that as we sing and as we listen to music, we wouldn't shut our brain off, but that we would stay engaged and that we would continue to think what are the messages that this is this is giving to me. I pray that you would be with us as we go from here. Bless us as we come back for one more night, and I pray that the things that uh, are said here tonight and the things uh, here to come tomorrow night would be honoring and glorifying to you. 
Be with us. In your name we pray. Amen.